0: Section 35 of Feemy Returns to Ballycloran, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The McDermott's of Ballycloran by Anthony Trollope. Section 35. Feemy Returns to Ballycloran, Part 2 feemy could bear this no longer she was obliged to make her escape from the room into her own in which she found that mary had taken up her temporary residence during so much of the day as she could spare from bawling at and shaking poor larry at dinner-time she again went into her father's room but he took no farther notice of her than if she had been there continually for the last four months he grumbled at his dinner which consisted of nothing but potatoes some milk and an egg and he scolded feemy for having no meat after dinner she mixed him a tumbler of punch for there was still a little of tony's whisky in the house and whether it was that she made it stronger for him and better than that which mary mcgovery was in the habit of mixing or that the action to which he had been for so many years accustomed roused some pleasant memory within him when he tasted it he said heaven's blessing on you feemy my daughter may you live many happy years with the man you love feemy soon left him and went to bed and caddy who had been despatched to drumsna returned with her mistress's small box and a kind message from mrs macian her kind love to miss macdermot she hoped she had felt the walk of service to her and she would call some time during the next week she had asked no questions of the girl which could lead her to imagine that her mistress's departure from drumsna had been unexpected nor had she said a word to her own servants which could let them suppose that she was surprised at the circumstance for five or six days feemy remained quiet at ballycloran spending the greater part of her time in her own room but taking her meals such as they were with her father she had no books to read and she was unable to undertake needlework and she passed the long days much as her father did sitting from breakfast till dinner over the fire meditating on the miseries of her condition there was this difference however between them that the old man felt a degree of triumph at his successful attempt to keep out his foes whereas feemy's thoughts were those of unmixed sorrow she had great difficulty too in inducing mary to leave her alone to herself had that woman the slightest particle of softness in her composition anything of the tenderness of a woman about her feemy would have made a confidante of her and her present sufferings would have been immeasurably decreased but mary was such an iron creature so loud so hard so equitable in her temper so impenetrable that feemy could not bring herself to tell her tale of woe which otherwise she would have been tempted to disclose she had therefore the additional labour of keeping her secret from mary's prying eyes and mary was nearly as acute as mrs about noon on monday feemy was horror-struck at being told by katty that father john was at the back door asking for her oh katty tell him to wait a while say i'm ill can't you do dear why miss i'd told him as how you are up and better thank god since you are home it was clearly necessary that she should see the priest but she insisted on his not being shown in till she had dressed herself and she again submitted herself to those agonies which she trusted for a time would hide her disgrace which at last must become known to all when this was done she seated herself on the sofa and plucked up all her courage to go through the painful conversation which she knew she was to endure she did not rise as he entered but remained on the sofa with the hectic tint on her face almost suffused into a blush and her hands clasping the calico covering of the cushion as if from that she could get more strength for endurance father john shook hands with her as he seated himself by her the tears came into his eyes as he observed the sad change which so short a time had made in her the flesh had fallen from her face and the skin now hung loose upon her cheek and jawbones, falling in towards the mouth giving her that lean and careworn look which misery so soon produces her healthy colour too had all fled part of her face was of a dull leaden paleness and though there was a bright colour round her eyes it gave her no appearance of health she looked ten years older than when he had seen her last no wonder mrs macian pitied her so deeply she appeared even more pitiable than her brother who was awaiting his doubtful fate in jail though with nervous anxiety still with unflinching courage i am glad to hear you're better feemy mrs macian thinks you a great deal better thank you, father john i believe i'm well enough now that's well then but you must take care of yourself feemy no more long walks you should have waited for the car to come home that day mrs mckeon's not the least angry if you are more at ease here than at drumsna she's glad for your sake you're here now and she bids me tell you how sorry she is she didn't give you the car the day you asked for it oh father john mrs mckeon's been too kind to me indeed i love her dearly though i could never tell her so Give her my kind love. I never thought she was so kind a woman. I will, Feemy. Indeed, I will. She is a kind woman, and it will please her to the heart to hear how you speak of her. She sends you all manner of loves, and Liddy and Louis too. She is sending up a few things for you too. Patsy'll bring them just till affairs are settled a little she wishes me to tell you she'll be up herself on thursday she wouldn't come before for she thought you'd be better pleased to be alone a few days tell her not to come here this is no place for her now they never open the front door now this is no place for any one now but just father and me but tell her how i love her i'll never forget her no not in my grave but i've another message for you is it from her no not from her well as she loves you it's from one who loves you better than she does it is from one who loves you better than any ever did since your poor mother died feemy raised her eyes and clasped her hands as she listened to father john's words and marked his solemn tones no thought of thady entered her mind but some indefinite half-conceived idea respecting Usher, that he had not been killed that he had come to life again that some mysterious miracle such as she had read of in novels had taken place and that father john had come with some blessed news which might yet restore her to happiness and tranquillity the illusion was but for a moment Though during that moment it completely took possession of her, it was as speedily dispelled by Father John's concluding words. I mean from your brother. timmy gave a long, long sigh as she heard the word. She wished for no message from her brother. He had robbed her of everything. She could not think of him without horror and shuddering. He sends his kindest love to you. I told him you were better and he was very glad to hear it though he has many heavy cares of his own to bear i have never seen him but he asks after your health with more anxiety than he thinks of his own prospects now you are better feemy won't you send him some message by me some kind word which may comfort him in his sorrow feemy was no hypocrite hypocrisy though she did not know it herself was distasteful to her she had no kind feelings for her brother and she did not know how to make the pretence which might produce kind words so she remained silent what not a word you who spoke so well so properly so affectionately but now of that good friend of yours have you not a word of kindness for a most affectionate brother feemy still remained silent why feemy what is this don't you love your own brother she said nothing in reply for a moment or two and then bursting into tears she exclaimed don't scold me father john don't scold me now or i shall die i try to forgive him i am always trying but why did he why did he why did he she was unable to finish her sentence from the violence of her sobs and the difficulty of uttering the words which should have concluded it she meant to say why did he kill my lover don't agitate yourself feemy i don't mean to scold you i don't mean even to vex you more than i can possibly help but i must speak to you about your brother i see the feeling that is in your mind and i will not blame you for it for i believe it is natural but i beseech you to pray that your heart may be softened towards your brother who instead of repugnance deserves from you the warmest affection but though i will not attempt to control your feelings i must tell you that you will be most wicked if you allow them to interfere with the performance of your duties you know your brother's trial is coming on do you not yes wednesday fortnight next is the day fixed i believe you know you will have to be a witness i believe so father john certainly you will and i wish you now to listen to me that you may know what it is that you will have to do in the first place you will be asked i presume by one gentleman whether you were willingly eloping with captain usher feemy shuddered as the name was pronounced and of course you must answer that truly that you are doing so then another gentleman will ask you whether you were absolutely walking off with him when the blow was struck which killed captain Usher. and feemy you must also answer that truly now the question is can you remember what you were doing when the blow was struck tell me now feemy can you remember no father don i remember nothing from the time when he took me by the arm as i sat upon the tree Till Thady told me he was dead, I remember nothing. If they kill me, I can't tell them nothing. Phoebe, dear, don't sob so that's all you'll have to say. Merely say that, merely say that you were sitting on a tree. Were you waiting for Captain usher there? Yes, and that whilst you were there, you saw Thady. isn't that so? Yes. And usher then raised you by the arm, and then you fainted. I don't know what happened to me, but I heard nothing and saw nothing, till Thady lifted me from the ground and told me he was dead. That's all, Feemy. Surely there's no great difficulty in saying that. When it'll save your own brother's life to say so, and it's only the truth. You can say as much in court as you've just said to me, can't you? missus i mckeon'll be there with you and i'll be there with you you'll only have to say in court what you've just said to me i'll try father john but you don't know what it is for a one like me to be talking with so many horrid faces round one with a heart dead within to be asked such horrid questions and everybody listening i'll do as you bid me i'll go with them when they fetch me but i know i'll die before i've said all they will want me to say father john tried to comfort and strengthen her but she was in great bodily pain and he soon saw that he had better leave her she had at any rate shown him by her answers to his questions that the evidence she could give would be such as would most tend to thady's acquittal and moreover he perceived from her manner that though the feelings which she entertained towards her brother were of a most painful description she would nevertheless not be actuated by them in any of the answers she might give on the thursday following mrs macian and one of her daughters called at ballycloran and in spite of the bars and bolts with which the front door was barricaded they contrived to make their way into feemy's room she remembered that father john had told her that they would call on that day and she was therefore prepared to receive them mrs macian brought her some little comforts from drumsna of which she was sadly in want for there was literally nothing at ballycloran but what was supplied by the charity of those who pitied them in their misfortunes and among other things she brought two or three volumes from the library she was very kind to her and did and said all in her power that could in any way console the poor girl though father john had been gentle in his manners and had endeavoured to abstain from saying anything hard still mrs mckeon was more successful in her way of explaining to feemy what it was that she would have to do she promised moreover to come to ballycloran and fetch her, and to remain with her and support her during the whole of the painful time that she would either be in the court itself or waiting in the neighbourhood till she should be called on to give her evidence she did not allude either to the manner in which feemy had left drunsna or to the suspicions which she had formerly expressed her whole object now was to relieve as much as possible the despondency and misery so plainly pictured in the poor girl's face as she put her arm round her neck and kissed her lips feemy's heart yearned towards her new-found friend with a kind of tenderness she had never before felt it was as though she for once experienced a mother's solicitude for her in her sorrows and she longed to throw herself on her knees hide her face in her friend's lap and confess it all had she been alone with her she would have done so but there sat Louis in the same room and though her conduct to feemy had been everything that was kind she felt that it was not as if she had been absolutely alone with her mother she could not at the same time confess her disgrace to two mrs mckeon went away after having strongly implored feemy to return with her to drumsna and remain there till the trial was over but this she absolutely refused to do and at last it was settled that mrs mckeon should come for her on the morning on which the trial was to come on and that she should hold herself ready to attend on any day that she might be called for after the commencement of the assizes the time now wore quickly on when mrs mckeon called it had only wanted a fortnight to the first day on which the trial could take place and as it quickly slipped away day by day to that born from which no day returns poor feemy's sorrow and agonies became in every way more acute at last on the wednesday the day before that on which she was to be or at any rate might be fetched she was in such a state that she was unable to support herself in a chair mary mcgovery would not leave her for a moment the woman meant kindly but her presence was only an additional torment she worried and tortured feemy the whole day she talked to her intending to comfort her till she was so bewildered that she could not understand a word that was said and she kept bringing her food and slops declaring that there was nothing like eating for a sore heart that if ussher was gone there were still as good fish in the sea as ever were caught and that even if thady were condemned the judge couldn't do more than transport him which would only be sending him out to a better country and for the one he lays bad enough for man and baste about seven in the evening feemy was so weak that she fainted mary who was in the room at the time lifted her on the sofa and when she found that her mistress did not immediately come to herself she began stripping her for the sake of unlacing her stays and thus learnt to a certainty poor feemy's secret mary had a great deal of shrewd common sense of a coarser kind she felt that however well inclined she might be to her mistress she should not keep to herself the circumstance that she had just learnt she knew it was her duty as a woman to make it known to some one and she at once determined to go that evening to mrs mckeon and tell her what it was she had discovered as soon as feemy had come to herself she got her into bed and having performed the same friendly office for the old man she started off for drumsna and having procured a private audience with mrs mckeon told her what had occurred mrs mckeon was not at all surprised though she was greatly grieved she merely said you have done quite right mary to tell me but don't mention it yet to any one else after all this affair is over we'll see what will be best to do god help her poor girl it were almost better she should die and as mary went downstairs she called her back to her take my silk coat with you mary tell miss mcdermott i've sent it because she'll be so cold to morrow. And Mary, and here she whispered some instruction on the stairs, and mind I shall come myself for her, but let her be ready, as may be there mightn't be a minute to spare. Father John was certainly right when he said that Mrs. macian had a kind heart. End of section thirty five. Feemy returns to Ballycloran, part two.